This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. And we are back on another episode of the DTC pod. Today we have an awesome guest with us, Kristen Jones, who's the director of marketing at Suit Shop, a DTC suiting retailer helping people ditch suiting rentals. At a price point of just $194, they offer one of the most inclusive fit ranges for men, women, children, and pets for keeps. They truly have suiting for everybody. Super excited to have Kristen on the podcast over here. We're going to be talking about content, email marketing, paid ads, content creation, prepping for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, a lot, a lot of stuff over here to unpack. Kristen is super awesome. She's active on Twitter as well. So definitely check her out over there. And I'm sure she'll probably drop links to that later on in the show. But uh, Kristen, great to have you on the show. Where are you calling in from? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I'm calling in from Atlanta, Georgia. Our suit shop is not in Atlanta, Georgia, but that's where I am. And yeah, I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Kristen X Jones. Awesome. Cool. Well, we're excited to have you on here. I know we have a lot to cover, but before we dive in, uh, do you want to kind of give a little bit of a intro about yourself, suit shop, what you specialize in, and then we can kind of go from there. Sure. Recently, I had been having some conversations and the more conversations that I have, I've gotten a lot of the, you are a very hands-on marketing director. So I would say while I'm marketing director at Sue Shop, I'm super hands-on. I'm not just directing people to do tasks. I'm typically the one doing the tasks as well. We have a really lean team. Um, but the things that I really like to focus on are like personalized marketing and, and getting very specific with conditional splitting and flows and automations, alleviating my customer service and support team by kind of automating any tasks that we really can through email, SMS, etc. Outside of Suit Shop and things that I've just kind of done in my career and they continue to flow into my work today is content creation, including ad asset creation from a UGC perspective, ad management for paid social. I recently have gotten a lot more into copywriting and SEO and, and trying to make sure that we are continuing to rank competitively against all the people in the suiting and tuxedo world. And yeah, that kind of carries over to what I'm doing in work and outside of work. So I know we first got connected on the content piece. So you've done a great job of, of managing long form content. I was looking through, I think yesterday as well, Suit Shop's blog, there's just like a ton of awesome content on there. What is your approach for managing long form content and content marketing? Because it seems like you're doing a great job there. Well, one, thank you. But two, I have to like, you know, be a little humble here and make sure that everybody knows that there was a lot of groundwork laid long before I ever joined the suit shop team. And our team, despite not having anybody really in a marketing position prior to my joining last November, they are almost entirely responsible for this blog. It is insane to me, like how much suit shop and the team that was here prior to me really did before I even joined. Um, since joining though, I would say I've more recently started shifting into like a deeper strategy. And, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but I was lucky enough to join a team that was smart enough and had the resources to hire an SEO agency that really helped. Um, for those of you who don't know, Suit Shop was formerly the Grimsman Suit, and we went through a huge rebrand earlier this year. So we hired an SEO agency that we'd worked with in the past. 
um, who really helped to make sure that we did that seamlessly. And then as their, I guess, tasks were completed in that rebrand, then we started using them in a different way that we had not initially intended to do when we first started working with them. So they've been very crucial into working with me directly on making sure that we're researching our competitors, seeing what's ranking amongst those competitors, where we're lacking low-hanging fruits, all of these things. So then I take a lot of what they're finding and what they're helping me discover and see what's trending and whatnot, and then kind of work on a strategy from there with a couple of people from my team. So my director of customer experience or customer service, she had a big hand in where the blog is now. So she still is very hands-on with that. And we just recently hired another customer support team member who also has like half of her time is dedicated to copywriting, copy editing. So now I'm able to actually like kind of work with them to make a full plan of this is exactly what we're going to write. And, and this is what we need to be focusing on and planning a little bit further in advance because we were very much a team that has like lived on our toes and, uh, you know, just very quickly knocking things out as we go. And now we're finally in a place that is so exciting where it's like we have content planned through the new year that's either already written and scheduled to post or we've got, you know, a guest post writer or we're writing it. So, you know, as far as content goes, we're very fortunate to have the resources to afford an amazing SEO agency that helps kind of lead the discovery portion of things. And then I get to lead the charge and then I have like wonderful writers who are able to really execute it. So yeah, I mean, it's really all about the resources that you have and how you can really put that together um, from our perspective. But I know plenty of teams that can do it on their own as well. So I mean, that's where we're at. Yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting that kind of stood out to me that I'd love to learn about is like, how do you decide like what to keep in house versus like working with an agency for? So you talked about like, I mean, there's agencies for pretty much everything in direct to consumer, like email marketing, paid ads, user generated content, content marketing, like you're doing, like what was the kind of like decision behind like wanting to do work with an agency for content and like getting that time back into, to work on other things? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, For us, again, like just circling back to like the fact that we're a super, super small team up until a few weeks ago, we only had 10 people. And like, I think over 50% of them were dedicated just to customer support. And the rest of us were like back in technical service or technical marketing or development. We have two full-time developers on a 10 that was only like a team that was only 10 people. So with that being said, you know, as a hands-on marketer or director of marketing, there isn't enough time in the day for me to literally do all of it. And I think everybody's pretty aware of that. So it was an easy decision. And also, like I said, when we were going through the rebrand, that was like a clear thing for us that they had, honestly, I hadn't even been a part of it really until a few months prior to the rebrand, but they had spent so many years building up this incredible SEO. Over 50% of our site traffic is direct where people are searching us and, and coming to our website. So they had built this like incredible ability to just be at the top of rankings organically by themselves. So with that being said, changing to an entirely new name that doesn't have search rankings for groomsmen suit, like natively, like there was a big worry of like, we could really be committing brand suicide here. And that was like the the point that like really stood out to my co-founders that we should have somebody that was really leading us through that. And then we've just enjoyed working with them. Their names are 3Q Digital. If anybody's looking for an amazing SEO agency that's familiar with rebranding or CRO, anything like that, like they've really just been great for whatever we've needed. But 
like I said, their initial relationship with us was going to be just for the rebrand. But since then, there's been so many things that they've kind of just uncovered along the way of like things that we could optimize, whether, you know, we touched on this briefly, but like we had pages that were competing against each other that we didn't really realize because no one really talks about how like your product pages can be competing against each other or that even your collection pages can compete against your product pages and vice versa. So once they started picking out these little things to us that we were realizing, I think it was like clear that we should stay with them and continue to work on where can we optimize content? Where can we condense some posts that are competing against each other into one post that redirects to it one singular link versus having these pages that are just constantly competing for traffic? And then from there, where are these low-hanging fruits of we have these pages that are pretty similar to like our top competitors. How can we make them rank even better than them? So that's kind of, I think, the thing that's continued pushing us to keep that relationship with the SEO agency. And, you know, our relationship with them just continues to evolve and get better. And we're starting to move into CRO testing as we get deeper into this year and early into next year. Weddings and wedding planning kind of takes a really big pause for this time of year. Q4 is like our slowest quarter compared to most traditional D2C and e-commerce brands. So this is a time for us to really like nail down what we're going to do all next year and and get very granular with these small tweaks that are going to increase like just site conversions in general. Yeah, that's awesome. One thing that I want to, I know you were talking about the the rebrand as well, which is like really interesting. I know you mentioned some of it had already started before you joined, but I'm sure you were probably involved and still are involved in kind of like maneuvering that process today because it's not just like you just change overnight and everyone already knows like what's coming. Like, What was that process like and what has it been for you kind of like working through that rebrand and how much does it like impact uh, what you do either day to day or like week to week? Yeah, I mean, it definitely has impacted my role. Generally speaking, our co-founders, Gene and Diana, they knew that they wanted Suit Shop to be the name of the Grooms and Suit a long time ago. The Grooms and Suit is not like an inclusive name and we literally sue everybody. Our suiting options allow you to mix and match styles. So if someone is non-binary and likes a more androgynous style, they can mix and match our women's and, and men's suiting collections. So we have these like gendered names, but like everything is super custom to whatever somebody's style is or whatever they really want to get. And like I said, we suit everybody. So if we have the name, the groomsman suit that doesn't really encompass what we do anymore. And so they knew that for a long time, kind of going into it. And that was already a decision before I joined in November, but we knew we weren't rebranding until like April. So part of why they hired me was so that, you know, at the time that they did was so that they had someone kind of leading them from a marketing perspective of like, where is this going to go? Even though they had a great idea of where they wanted it to end up. So with that being said, when I first started, one of the like first few things that I did for the groomsman suit was revamping our paid ads, targeting, creative, etc. And then really setting up a super automated but very personalized flow system in Klaviyo. So that was like the big main like initial focuses of just like getting general marketing to a really good place. And then as we started shifting into the conversations about the rebrand and what that looked like, basically everything I did in the first three months, I had to do all over again <laughs> with like slightly different branding. Like our branding changed so little, like the fonts changed a lot, but the colors changed by like 
a little tiny pixel move on the hex code. So I was going in and I just remember being in the designs, like trying, you know, in psychology, there's the term just noticeable difference. And I was like trying to find where the grays were like mix match so that I could, I could just like edit the designs really quick. So with that being said, went through, changed all the branding. And, you know, there's still some ads that are running that have the groomsman suit stuff on them. And I won't say like it's the groomsman suit branded per se, but you know, for example, our showroom signs said the groomsman suit for a few weeks after we were this, we were suit shop. And so we had like influencers who would like come in and film videos in the showroom. And in the background, you can see the groomsman suit, or we had a ton of inventory that still has the groomsman suit tags. So you might like still see that in a video or see that in an ad or get a suit that says the groomsman suit on it. So, you know, there's still a lot of those things that we still have little pieces of the groomsman suit lying around. But I will say that going into January, that won't be the case anymore. We've got a whole new line of suiting coming out with new fabrics. So as the old fabric kind of continues to go out of stock and the new fabric like starts to come in, we'll stop having those remnants of the groomsman suit. But with that being said, it has had a lot of impact on the day-to-day because you sometimes have people who are like, what is that? Like, we still have to include formerly the groomsman suit. We still have to explain kind of why we did that. And you're making a really bold statement when you come out or go into a rebrand saying, we suit everybody, we're so inclusive. Like you have to be consistent in that and really show up for every person that you represent whenever you have that type of branding. So that's been a huge focus from the day that I joined all through the rebrand and now. Like when we're planning, we want to make sure that we're being size inclusive in our model selection for shoots or age inclusive or gender inclusive. Like we're have there's a lot of these things that we're thinking about in a lot more detail than I think people were thinking about a few years ago. And like I said, when you come out as a brand that's saying that that's what you stand for, like it has to be part of everything that you're thinking about all the time. And that's in the marketing and the planning and the communications to our clients who are hiring, like all of it. So that continues to kind of be a focus for me every day is like looking for opportunities to represent the people that we suit on a day-to-day basis. That's awesome. And thanks for like going into detail over there. It was cool kind of understanding how you navigated that whole journey. I know one of the things that I talked about as well is kind of like one of the things that you did early on was setting up those email flows. That's a big part of your role at Suit Shop is like email marketing as well. So you talked about making emails automated, but still feel kind of hyper personalized. What are some of the things like, whether it's like features that you're using from Clavio or tactics that you're using that really help to drive that personalization for Suit Shop? Yeah, gosh, I'm thinking about the best place to start. Like I said, I'm very like fortunate to work for a small team that has two full-time developers. Like I've worked for tons of teams that don't have any developers and we're all just relying on Shopify tags and Klaviyo and like direct integrations to like pull in any type of personalization. When you have a developer or someone who at least understands like creating a custom action, whether that's in on your Facebook pixel or on your in your integration to Klaviyo or Attentive or Postscript or whatever, that makes a huge difference. Like I've always been someone like prior to having a like technical person who could do this for me that would really preach about like tagging on Shopify and Klaviyo so that you could split. But having the custom actions like really makes a huge difference. So that's been a big player for us. A lot of our backend in the suit shop site, like our wedding group management, how we tag people, that's all custom built by our developers. 
So with that, we have a lot of these custom actions. Like if somebody is a wedding group creator, if somebody like when, how far away are they from their wedding date? Things like that. These are all custom triggers that our developers have helped build so that I can then go and get really personalized with the way that I'm marketing. And a lot of it does kind of exist in Clavio already, depending on what type of store somebody else might have. For us, obviously, we have to get a little bit different. I, we just got out of another call where we were talking about how what might work for like the general store doesn't necessarily work for us. So with that being said, a lot of our flows and the things that we're looking at for us, we have a lot of checkout events, I guess you could say, where we have like a swatch order, which is free. We have a wedding group creation. If someone creates a group, that's like a conversion event for us. We have, if someone's ordered a trial, if someone's ordering an actual suit versus if they're ordering an accessory, like things like this. So a lot of my flows, whether it's an abandoned car or it's post-purchase, or if it's something else that's like completely different, it's all based off of like really where they're at in the purchase journey because someone ordering a swatch is at a very, very different place than somebody who's setting up a group and kind of starting to make those orders as they're getting closer to their wedding. So we have my bid and cart flows. I know that people listening won't be able to like see my hands, but like there, there's like these branches all over the place. Like, are they a new customer? If they are, is this a swatch order? If it's not a swatch order, is it a trial order? If it is a trial order, have they ordered a swatch in the past? And so then when you get to the very bottom of my bin and cart flows, they are actually like text-based messages that are like, hey, saw that you've ordered swatches and trials in the past, but you've still got this suit in your cart. So I really want to see like, what can I do to help you to like be confident in your suiting purchase? Is it, do you need help with your sizing? And, and, you know, we kind of get in there and we can even see if someone's done our, you know, fit finder. So I can get very specific in the type of messaging to where it does feel super personalized to that person. And that kind of exists throughout all of our automations, even including a very personalized 12-month drip that I have that starts starting one year prior to their wedding date. They start getting a monthly email that's like, you've got 12 months till your wedding. Here's the things you should be focused on. And some of them are not to our benefit at all. I'm not trying to get a sale. I'm trying to show them how they can get a ghostwriter for their vows just to help them out. So it's just a very like you know, value-based flow. And then towards like the last two or three months, I'm like, hey, by the way, you haven't ordered your suit yet, or you haven't set your group up yet, or, you know, wherever they're at to try to then get them to be more inclined to purchase with us. So those are some of the things that we're working on in terms of the automation perspective. Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trend's exclusive community for everything DTC the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more all about DTC. Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-N-D slash podcast and look for the Slack community link to claim your invite. We hope to see you on there. How do you kind of like manage that kind of process? Like for someone that's listening that wants to build a a hyper personalized flow and, you know, whether it's like a bunch of different splits or maybe it's just a few splits, like what's a good starting point to kind of think about? Like, do you map it out on a whiteboard? Like, is there something that you do? Like, what are some of those key steps that you're looking at or key things that you're doing to make sure that you do have it mapped out and you can deliver on that personalization? Yeah. So I would say the first thing before anything else is really like sitting down and thinking about what your full customer journey is like. And is it a short customer journey? Like they get an ad and within a week they've made an order? Or is it like us where someone might get an ad on Pinterest while they're planning their bridesmaid dress 
color and then they're not buying a suit for another six months. So I have to keep them engaged for a really long time and, and make them feel very attended to during that full six months. So really understanding the customer journey in the beginning, I think is the most important thing that you can do before getting started with an outline. And then thinking about different value propositions at each part of the journey. Because I mean, this goes for ads too. Like when you're first getting to meet somebody or someone's first getting introduced to your brand, like what are the things that stand out? And I've seen a lot of conversations on Twitter lately, which is like the, what is it? The benefits versus the actual pieces of the puzzle. Like what are the actual benefits? Like translated, don't say it's waterproof. Say drop your phone in the pool and it's still going to work. That actually happened to me two days ago. Um, But, you know, saying these things like features versus benefits, like explaining the benefits, like you want it to be really clear in the beginning of like what makes you different. And then, you know, as you go down and you can get a little bit more granular of like, what are the use cases? Like, how can I put this into action? How am I going to use this product once I receive it? And then, you know, kind of from there, some brands, for example, have referral programs or they want you to share on social. And like, there's other things that you can start to plug into there. So I'd say really thinking about all those things. And then when I'm planning it and we're actually outlining it, you're saying like whiteboarding it. I actually have a very like specific templated way that I outline a flow. And I even do this if I'm like, you know, I've done like small projects here and they're consulting on the side to help with people that are in this same situation. So I have this very specific way that I outline a flow on a Google Doc where I bookmark everything. So I'll outline the flow in full text, like if then, yes, no, blah, blah, blah. And like have a full list of like what it's going to be. And then they bookmark link to the emails. And then I write all the emails out. And so you can kind of really follow it on a Google doc of exactly what that journey is going to look like before I then go into design. And then once everything's approved, then I flow into Clavio. So that's my process for it. But I mean, everybody kind of has something that probably works for their brain type and like their working type. I've even mastered a similar version in Notion if I want to put it into a Notion documentation. So it really just depends on how people work. But really, just to like summarize all of it is looking at your customer journey from a full perspective, breaking it into chunks and like where you can add value propositions or benefits versus features where you can add, you know, how things are used, etc. And then following an outline where you can do full team collaboration edits in a document prior to then designing and uploading into Clavio or whatever ESP you're using. That would be my like, four step formula to like planning these things out for yourself. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think you gave us a really good picture over there of what that process looks like. Let's talk a little bit about paid ads as well. I know you kind of touched on this talking about personalization and those things also. You know, most e-commerce brands have to have a strong paid strategy to help move customers down the funnel. If you had to give like three tips for building an effective paid funnel, what would they be? I want to keep it short because I'm long-winded, but I think there's a time and place for broad audience targeting and just throwing things at this broad audience and letting Facebook do its work with the algorithm or Meta do its work with the <laughs> algorithm. For those of you listening, we're on day one of the metaverse, so, but we're so letting them kind of like work their algorithm magic. And this is a really great area for testing um, if you have money to spend on that. But if anyone listening has ever heard me talk on any other podcasts or publicly, I often am wary towards that, especially for smaller brands that don't have a lot of budget. So if you're listening to this and you don't have a huge budget, 
broad audience targeting might not be the most efficient method for you. I personally find the most success in breaking up my funnel. But again, I would also like to put a caution out there that we have a very long sales cycle and it is very different than most brands who can convert someone within a few days. So for me, when I'm thinking about it, and I usually test this a lot across other opportunities when I have the chance or have access to an ad account or advisement, is starting with like some very nice user-generated type content that's very informational at the top. And when I say at the top, I mean, you could be doing brand awareness, video views, um, something to just be making you a nice audience that doesn't cost a lot of money. Because a lot of marketers today don't want to do these like video view campaigns. They only want to be doing things that are for conversions. And I totally get that and I respect it. But when you have less resources and you kind of need to build an audience quickly that's relevant and is already familiar with your brand, it's really nice to run a video views campaign at the very top of funnel that has like the super informative video. You you know paying attention, and making sure that it's getting watch throughs and people are actually interested, and that the engagement rankings are good. But having those video views at the top will build this very very affordable audience. You can do it for like a few dollars a day and get thousands of people into a retargeting audience for a page views campaign or conversion campaign, depending on whatever your goals are for the year. So starting with something that's going to help you build kind of a base audience of people that are already familiar with you is like one strategy. And then you can retarget people in so many different ways. If you do have a video views campaign and you also are focused on site traffic and you want to drive new visitors that are relevant to your site, you can retarget the video views people into a traffic campaign with another video. So now you're starting to develop layers in your funnel. And so I've got like another video that's maybe about the unboxing experience or, you know, what they're going to do, what's going to happen when they're home or, and they have the suit at their house. Like what's that actually going to look like? Like they have that initial introduction to the brand. This is what it's all about. And then you've got like a more personalized, like experiential type of ad. That's kind of the next step. Then from there, you can retarget people that watch that specific video or landed on that specific landing page into more of a conversion audience. And so for me, I like to split up my retargeting into three different sections, and that's cold, warm, and hot. So someone that maybe only engaged with me on Instagram, who's maybe been on my site once or twice, but hasn't really done anything else than that. And then you know, my warm might be people who've been to my top blog pages, who maybe spend a certain amount of time on my site and you know, might be on an email list in Klaviyo that I filtered into Facebook. And then my hot audience is like abandoned a cart, abandoned checkout. They're getting like dynamic retargeting that's like very specific to them. So that's kind of like how I like to break up the bottom of the funnel. Again, a lot of marketers have different opinions and approaches to this. They might do something that's very more broad at the top that's just strictly for conversions and then retarget those people. It's totally fine. But if you're working on like small to mid-sized budget and you're trying to like be very efficient and put people through the entire customer journey using some Facebook ads. The way that I've positioned it, I think is a really foolproof way. I've done it so many times on so many accounts. And with Suit Shop alone, when I joined our ROAS was 3x. And then after implementing that, it was 10x, like average. That's not even looking at what the actual conversion campaign was. It was like up to 50x at one point. So you know, everybody does things differently. But the main things for me is like creating a very affordable audience and retargeting them appropriately based off where they are in the funnel and making them land on relevant pages so that they feel like they've been through a full journey with you. That's awesome. I want to talk about the content piece too, because it sounds like you've really nailed that piece down. How do you make sure you have enough content for your brand? Like where do you find yourself needing the most creative? If you could dive into that, that would be great. Sure. Again, wedding industry is so great for content because 
every time someone gets married, I have a full professional album that like I didn't really pay for. So uh, we've been so lucky in that respect. I have hundreds of wedding albums that if you go to our Instagram suit shop official, the entire Instagram is like free content that our couples have shared with us and are delighted to be featured on our Instagram. They like we have people commenting, how do I get featured? Like they want to share their stuff with us. For some of the more like very specific type content that I want, I'm either planning like a full-blown shoot with an agency or reaching out to very specific creators. And oddly enough, a lot of people have like reached out to me in the last couple of weeks about two stories that really stood out. So I'll touch on them briefly and we can move on. But there's two. There's one when I first started, this guy was on TikTok. Maybe you're familiar with this story. He's like, I want to get married to some stranger. Who are you? And so I like saw this. It was getting like a million views at this point. And I was like, he's going to marry someone on TikTok and everyone's watching. Like, I want to be a part of that. So I was scared to DM him on TikTok because I don't really know like if he would see that with all this new fame he's getting. So I went to his Instagram where he only had like 2000 followers at the time and DM'd him. And he was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Turns out he was by our Philly showroom and he's a professional videographer, like freelance for hire. So he did this whole video for us for free. And we just gave him a suit and suited his like Vegas wedding. Him and that girl that he met are now married and they live in like a converted ambulance and like travel around the States together. And they're actually converting a school bus for him now. And they're still married. So we suited that. And then another opportunity that I saw was um, one of my friends founded and we were friends after we founded this and we we met through like clubhouse and stuff. So I wouldn't call us like best friends or anything. But one of my like internet friends that I just met through the industry is the founder of Disco Skin, a skincare for men. And I saw this ad that he shared on his story from Disco from this creator. And I was like, oh my God, does that guy need a suit? He's like DM him. I don't know. But so then I go look at this guy's profile and he's a menswear influencer. Like that's his focus. So I ended up working with him. And so I paid this guy, I paid him some money, you know, his rates. And he created this beautiful five ways to wear a three-piece suit for us. But since then, I've continued to foster that relationship and I log into his live streams on Twitch. I engage as an individual and as a brand with his like personal content. He wears our suits and tags us all the time. He just did another amazing video on Squid Games wearing our suits, like doing a Squid Game costume. So very relevant, got a lot of views. People really liked it. And it's just been so nice. So when I'm talking to people about how do you get content that can perform really well in your ads, like shoot your shot, like DM the person, like just shoot them a DM. They might have a manager and say, email me. And then you have to go pay some insane rates and you can say no if you don't want to. Or you might be able to negotiate and be like, hey, I've got product. You know, I want it to be a long-term partnership. And you can kind of foster a relationship that's going to continue to give to you over a long period of time. So that's kind of my approach to content. You know, outside of Suit Shop, I actually am a content creator. That dresser back there that I guess listeners can't see is full of like products from brands because I make probably about five ads a week, video ads, like just for fun. People send me products. I make them videos, send it back to them. They pay me, blah, blah, blah. I'm not an influencer, just a creator. And there's plenty of like, I'm part of two groups. I work with the quality edit. So I also write long form reviews for them. But like I work with the quality edit. They have a whole program where if you want to talk to their people and potentially sign up for like an asset package, like they have a whole sales process that I'm not totally familiar with. But 
you know, you can get creative that way or someone like the social Savannah. If you're familiar with her on Twitter, she's got a great following and she works with tons of brands where, you know, they send me the product, I make it, give it back to her. And then she delivers them regular UGC, like on a weekly basis, bi-weekly basis. So there's tons of opportunities and options out there for people to be getting this if they don't want to do the groundwork of DMing random people on Instagram. So it's out there. You just got to find it. And I think you shared some great examples over there on like how to, to foster that relationship as well, which is great. I know we're almost at time for the podcast over here. So and we had Black Friday, so I reminded to still cover, but uh, I'm just going to ask a quick rapid fire question here. Like, You've worked with other brands as well. What is your best last minute Black Friday, Cyber Monday tip to share with the holiday around the corner? Tying it back to everything else we've spoken about, setting up a plan for how you're going to re-engage the people that you drive during Black Friday, Cyber Monday time is going to be the most critical thing that you can do for yourself because everybody's in a shopping mode and you may or may not get their conversion in the moment, but people are just going to be coming to your site because they want to see if you're having a sale. We don't have sales. We never do. So, you know, we're not going to have a lot of Black Friday. We actually dial back spend during this time because we're not going to compete for the CPMs. But, you know, for us, that's different. But for a normal brand, this is a great time to be driving so many people to your site. And like, even if you're not running a huge sale, like having a strategy to capture them once Black Friday and holiday season is over is going to be the biggest thing. And you can set up an automation where anyone who purchases from this weekend is going to go into a flow where 15 days later, you're going to follow up with them. And then 20 days after that, you're going to follow up with them again in a way that's different than how you're following up with everybody else. So I would say just making sure you have a really clear strategy of how you're going to continue to re-engage these people after that weekend is over, because that's going to be what continues to drive sales for you long after those four, that four-day window is gone. Love it. Those are great tips over there. So Kristen, it's been super great having you on the podcast over here. I know we covered tons and tons of ideas, tactics, even like tools and all of that fun stuff. I'm going to turn the mic over to you one last time. What's next for Suit Shop? And if you want to drop any other uh, links for people to check out, feel free to share those as well. Sure. So Suit Shop, we've got a lot of exciting things on the horizon. We're going to be doing a really cool wedding professional trade show next week. That's not the most exciting thing, but we've got a really big photo shoot planned at the end of the year because we are launching a new collection. Don't want to get too into the specifics of that, but we've been traditionally a brand that offers grays, blues, and blacks, and we're very excited to be launching some colors that are a little bit more standout and that can appeal to the general audience outside of just weddings. So that's kind of like the biggest thing coming up for us. So stay tuned for that as we kind of head into 2022. If you're needing a suit, happy to help you with that. To connect with us, obviously, like on most channels, we're Suit Shop Official, except on Twitter, we are at we are suit shop because suit shop official was too long for Twitter. <laughs> um, and then we didn't realize that until like the night of the rebrand that it didn't fit for Twitter. But anyway, so, and then for me, Kristen X Jones on Twitter is where I am talking about D to C the most. If you are interested in seeing some of the content that I produce, I just, and very, very seldomly and sporadically post some of that on Instagram called Kristen the Creator. So those are a few places to find us, engage with Suit Shop, and hopefully I'll be suiting some of those listening soon. Awesome. Great. Well, Kristen, thanks again so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been uh, great having you. Appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much. It was my pleasure to be here. Awesome. For everyone listening, hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod, and we'll see you next time.